Welcome to Fourth Times the Charm. I am your producer, Ben, accompanied by your director, Matt, and welcome to the only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. Matt, tell me, are you ready to talk five stars under 50? I am very ready. I think we found a couple films that are true gems of their own own nature they have their own kind of flavor to them and both are representative of two different types of flavor but man do they taste very strong yeah one tastes very strongly of dirt and the other one tastes very strongly of dirtier dirt no one taste one tastes like a vape pen a guy's hit 400 times in the same day the other one tastes like dirt and the dirt one tastes better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the dirt one tastes much better. So, man. Though, though, oddly, was almost more boring than the one that tastes like old vape. We're going to get to that. More importantly, what is going on, my brizzle? Oh, I am, I am living in existence. I went to a fantastic music festival this weekend for two days. Um, I went to the folk punk festival that happens in Chicago every year. And it's the only folk punk festival that I know of uh, called moon runners and a bunch of bands from around the country come out and play at this tiny venue in downtown Chicago that hosts like metal and punk shows. And it was a lot of fun. I genuinely feel like, and I wrote this on Instagram that the people in the community around that show and that genre of music are the most accepting and happiest people. Like, well, I don't want to say the happiest, the most accepting and welcoming uh, cast of characters of almost any other genre, regardless of the festival type. They're very genuine, straightforward people, and the music is fantastic. And it's a it's a great outlet because it uh addresses a lot of the themes that I liked in younger mu- music when I was younger, like in my emo days, but in a more mature and a way that seems like the people who were listening to a lot of the same stuff I was, but have a different more genuine, very punk DIY experience with life, which is uh, something I really like to engage with because the people, wonderful, and the show was fun. Though, and this was a bit of a tragic experience. Uh, ben, I, I know you probably won't recognize the name, uh, but I know I've made you listen to it. There's a fantastic band called Days and Days. Do you remember ever listening to them, Ben? I I think it's one of those that you've played in the car and I yes. listen to passively. All right. Well, they uh, the lead singer had like a really rough night the night of recording, and he wrote uh, a post about it, talking about it, and it was genuinely one of the most unique live performances I've ever seen. Um, simply because it was like an actual like almost mental break, not a mental breakdown, but like a mental disconnect occurring on stage. Uh, can um, you describe what that actually is? Yeah, so the I'm not sure what was going on, and his the the post that Jesse, the lead singer of Days and Days, made about it is vague in so far. But he said he was having a, a battle between his mind and his body, and when he was on stage, uh, he seemed really fucked up, like really drunk or high or something, and was stumbling around the stage was forgetting lyrics and just kind of like making random adjustments like left and right and doing a bunch of different 
like off kilter stuff and it was really intense and it like but it had like it was incredible because it was like you know you could classify it as kind of like not a train wreck but like something not you know it clearly wasn't intentional Right. And it seemed like something was wrong. And the rest of the band did not necessarily look very pleased with the experience because they weren't fucked up, at least to that extent. But the crowd what like, like had this like empathy and we're like, we're like, fuck dude, we can tell you're having a really hard night. Like, do not feel bad. Like we want you to know that like, we're still all here out in the crowd with you. And like, it was like, it wasn't hard to watch and the crowd was like fucking going, getting very into it and trying to sing along and pick up. But it was like, it was off kilter. And like, even the, he even admitted like when he, the post he made about Instagram was saying that he was like, I, th- that wasn't the show I was supposed to give you that kind of rhetoric, mm. but it was truly captivating. Like at the very end of the show, he was like almost completely out of it. And he like, half dove fell into the crowd but then like a bunch of people including myself like lifted him up into like a crowd surf position and then he went like he went like full jesus pose like arms out legs together but the crowd was completely holding him up in the air like he and he was completely suspended by all of the people and it was just it was a very like it was an image as a photographer if i could have taken a photograph of that moment I think it like it was a truly it was a beautiful moment to experience and be a part of, especially with how unique the lead up to it was. And like we like held like ever the whole crowd held him up for a while. And then he like like the, the security guys on stage were like, all right, bring him back. Because I think he's and and I think it was because he went unconscious and we were holding him. And when he got back on stage, he was just like it looked like he was almost un, like nearly unconscious, which is like a, the biggest smile on his face. So is this a drug thing do we think or did he literally just have do you think just something pop off in his mind i think it was a a little column a a little column b okay except i mean if you if you listen to the music they sing a lot about um drinking and you know drug abuse i don't know they don't really sing about drug abuse too much but it's a it's a theme especially within the genre and within the the community that surrounds it um there's a lot of pain uh a lot of very yeah. sad sad people um that need those kind of festivals in order to express themselves and it's it's something i get out of it it's very it's, a, it's an incredible community to be a part of it's very there's no there's no weirdos in a room like that right it, unless you're a creep it's definitely a shame to hear stuff like that i mean you know i'm fully entrenched in wrestling so Something like that happening seems more like the norm, considering back in the 2000s you had a wrestler well, dropping dead from an overdose. Think of it like the Jeff. Think about it like the Jeff Hardy match, right? Like the Victory Road. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was kind of that in that vein, except it was a lot more put together. Like it was. It it wasn't a, as bad as the Victory Road, but it was different. I think it was because the crowd was so supportive. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that at least this area has more supporting fans. Wrestling fans are very supportive, but we're also so used to our heroes letting us down that I feel like it's more of a 
<coughs> disappointment, more of a you turned your back on us type of deal. Mm, yeah, for the wrestling community. Right, and I don't fault wrestling fans for it because, you know, I, I, I don't feel like there's many fans in general that are more abused than wrestling fans. Yeah. But oh, yeah. at the same well, time, it's good to see there's a community which is a lot more supporting of their talents going through shit. Yeah, fr- frank, frankly, like the compared to the wrestling community, the punk and folk punk and like DIY community, and to some extent, certain aspects of the metal community make the wrestling community look downright vile. Um, yeah, but there, th- but there are cultures that wrestling also makes look terrible. Like rest, like wrestling compared to the anime community, in my opinion, is I take wrestling. Wrestling is a very good community, but I feel like it is one of the more toxic relationships in regards to the actual creators and performers. And I and that's far from a blanket it, it, statement. I feel like, you know, certain video game communities and certain yes. anime communities, you know, I know uh, Terrace House, the Asian reality TV show literally drove oh, yeah. one of the people, Hanakamura, to commit suicide. One of the people a on completely the show. staged scene on the show. Yeah. Holy shit. I yeah. watched like two episodes of Terrace House. It was hard. I, I didn't get into it. Yeah. So through all of that, um, it's, it's nice to see at least a faint glimmer of hope and hopefully whatever help he needs, he gets. Yeah. I, I, and I think, I think he, he will, um, uh, but outside of that, that was like the most uh, memorable part of the evening. Um, one of the really cool things that happened uh, on the second night, I wasn't originally going to go, but you know, I decided to. And uh, one of the last bands that played actually like for their last song. Um, and you can, I think I posted a video of this on Instagram. Uh, walked out, took all of their instruments. Cause these are like, you know, like folk punk dudes. So they're playing like, banjos and like trumpets and you know uh bass and like a ukulele and a banjo like and so so they don't need amps um but that's what i'm getting across so they they brought all they marched all of their instruments from the stage out into the street to play their final oh, song wild. in the in the middle of state street did like, that cause traffic uh no there was they were in they weren't actually in the street itself they were oh, on the okay. sidewalk um and then there was because there's there's a bike lane and then there's there's a park there's where cars park and then there's the road and we were backed up to the cars got it got it well and then there was a bunch of people standing in the street but they were just over there it's still chicago Uh, yes go and there's a giant there's a police station over there so i think if we actually ended up like in the middle of the road we'd all just got arrested uh but it was fucking beautiful because everyone everyone came out and they played and as soon as they got outside, I was outside when this happened because I watched the beginning of their set and they're not a band I love. So I was like, I'm going to get ready to go. And I was chatting with a friend I made and, and they come out and I had noticed like five or six people that were from other bands or other groups that had performed that weekend, all just like hanging out outside, like loitering and smoking cigarettes and talking. And as soon as the uh, Holy Locusts got out there with their instruments and like everyone kind of like re... Yeah, right. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm going to pull up the the list of bands uh, from this year just to read you um, some of them because they're almost like wrestlers. Well, uh, just to break up 
the oh. the the descriptions for a bit. I uh, for my weekend, I went to an Oktoberfest, and since Ooh. I was the designated driver, I just ate all the free food they had. I had three burgers, two pulled Hell pork yeah. sandwiches, two habanero pulled pork tacos, an ear of corn, a side of potato salad, a side of beans, a bit of a pretzel, half a cookie. And I nibbled on some popcorn. In case you're wondering, yes, this is a barbecue place. It's called the Maple Block in Culver City, California. And let me tell you, their BBQ is BB good. Ooh, shout out, shout out. You can't, you can't, you gotta always promote good barbecue. All right, and and now back to the list of names. Oh, before I get to the list of names, but what was what was really cool was that. Once that band got out there, all of the people that were in other bands all ran and got their instruments and joined in. Oh, and that's they, and, awesome. And so, like, it was like a gr- the band grew as time went on. Um, and they played, like, a whole song, and everyone in the street, like, sang along to it. And there was a bunch of people who were hanging out who that were just there because they couldn't get – but they couldn't get tickets to the main – show and so they were just like you know there to hang out and be part of the community and travel with everybody and like everyone regardless of who you were got to uh be a part of the audience for that moment and it was really fucking cool Uh, and and just just to hit some of these great names uh the headliners were days and days and the bridge city sinners who are also fantastic one of my favorite milwaukee bands didn't play actually this year uh, but they were supposed to is we the heathens um, nice. there's also there's also yes ma'am uh joe buck yourself uh crazy in the brains holy locust widow smashing job creator that old coon dog Ooh. Uh, joey henry's dirty sunrise club all right chad hates george a uh, bunch of people Why does that chad hate george i don't know a very angry man uh, apes of the state who are awesome uh, i'm trying there's there's another really good one in here um stuffy stuffy's a good one uh piss poor players oh yeah yeah and this this, this is my this is my last highlight from the night uh these guys closed the la- very 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 last band to play on sunday on saturday night the night that that days and days event happened who was the biggest headliner of the festival um Johnny Lawhorn and the Pentagram String Band. Uh, I posted some videos of these guys on Instagram. Uh, these guys fucking killed it. They were ju- they were like a five piece like folk band that was just just absolutely crushing it. They're 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 decent on album. I listened to them on Spotify and uh, YouTube, but live they are another beast altogether. It was genuinely one of the coolest performances. And I was completely, I completely t- taken aback by how good it was. Um, and they played at the very end of that. It was like 1130 at night and they were just fucking jamming at full speed. Um, really good music, really fun festival. I highly recommend you guys check it out. If you ever can come out to Chicago for Moonrunner Festival, uh, do it and you'll see me there. And if you recognize me from the podcast, I'll be really fucking confused. Yeah, I would be amazed unless you actually know us like our biggest fan 
Brendan Brennan. All right, fuck this Brennan guy. I, I, I'm, I'm not convinced he still listens to these episodes. He does. So he does. He texts Rebecca every now and then, and he gives updates when he listens to the podcast. So he is an active does he listener. Finish? How does he feel about us talking about him? Well, I notice I mix in mentioning him towards the beginning or the end of the podcasts. Okay. So overall, he seems like a fan, and he's our biggest fan. And if anyone else wants to challenge him for that slot within the next week, Please. just Please. comment on any of our Instagram posts, tag us, tell your friends, and you just got to use the code five star savior five star savior please be our five star savior and if you use that and tag us you will be our new biggest fan we will roll out the red carpet for you you know matt brennan did suggest a show which was uh us doing a countdown list of how much you suck and also how great i am yeah, Brennan seems like a real piece of shit. Brennan's great. Brennan I, I don't is like not Brennan. just great. He's literally the greatest. He is the greatest fan we've ever had. You're not after, wrong. After viral. Segways are weird. <laughs> Who's ready for five stars under 50? Oh, I am so, so ready, Matt. It's time to take a look at your Amazon Prime and dig deep. And to the five stars under five. Our our quest to find a, an amazing film with less than 50 reviews on Amazon Prime or another platform of our discovery continues this week. And this week is a Halloween special double feature. And we we had hope. There was there was so much potential coming out of Ben and I that night when we were we were looking at these two movies. We were like, okay, they have almost no reviews. One of them has two. And well has five now. And one and we were so genuinely excited that we might have found something that could have been actually yeah. five stars under 50. And not to not to give it away, but uh, I'm not going to give the first movie we watched five stars. So our first movie, The Charnel House, we hey, gave oh. what what did we give it? We gave it three stars, I feel like. I, I gave it two and a half. Maybe it was two and a half. I think two we both gave it a three stars that range yeah i feel like it was a very good starting point for five stars under 50 not the most imaginative not the most original movie but it was relatively competent that was brought along by really good acting and solid cinematography at times at times tonight we're going to discuss two movies one of which was perfectly average and another movie which i feel like is making me reevaluate what types of movies we look for for five stars under 50 i found uh a treasure trove of sub five review movies on amazon prime and let me tell you you know when a movie is not going to be good when it has less than 20 reviews 
Less than 50, that's fine. But under 20 is an issue because that means that out of all of the dozens of people who worked on your movie, you couldn't get 20 of them to give the thing that you spent months working on five stars. You couldn't get them to rate it at all. So I feel like this was a learning experience. Week one, we had a good standard five stars under 50 movie. Yeah, we did. This week, we we really found what I feel like is the bottom of the barrel. I could not think of a movie that is less satisfying to watch. And I feel like there could be movies that are more quote-unquote bad, but I feel like that would only make the movie better because this movie was so devoid of of anything. 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 The, the, The only thing that had any character in this movie was that man's vape pen. And the dude in the library. Yeah, and the dude in the library, the saving grace of this whole The movie we're talking about, and I have to make sure I'm getting the title right, because it's a knockoff of another movie from this this year. Three different movies. And if you, you, when you type this name into Google or IMDb, it's never the first result. It'll give you four to five movies before you get to it. It is The Last House on the Street. You gotta get back out there sometime. Why not now? Chad, it's Mom. Are you okay? I haven't heard from you in weeks. Approximately what time did he go missing? Why can't we do something I want? I need you to focus. Look, can you just please call me back, man? You're right. I was wrong. Hey, Tiger. <laughs> She's just wrong. She's wrong about me. I am different. We really can't make a missing person report. Go do something! Starting not the house at the end of the street that came out this year and no, not the last house on the left it's the last house on the street also from 2021 it's effectively a college student film which they managed yeah, to make very full much length so. And I just want to say, good job, guys, on making yeah, a full-length movie. Made it. I was, you I was a finished it. No, I was a film student, and I was unable to even fully put together the short films I did, let alone a full-length movie. So the fact that they shit. got it done is a huge accomplishment. I'm not taking anything away from that. So I'm getting that off the bat. That first. At least you deem, at least you deem, bring more pain into the world. But the actual quality of the movie is so rote, so forgettable, so nothing. There's better Uh, movies on YouTube that are filmed on cell phones. Yes, there are. 
I would. We were talking last week about the online gamer, and I do think we need to have an episode on on mid two thousands YouTube. I agree. We'll get there. But an online gamer movie where he just says "fuck" for ninety minutes would be more palatable than this film, which did nothing, said nothing. There was one scene that I almost didn't completely loathe and and this i feel like is going to be our barometer man i feel like it's going to be nigh impossible to find another movie that's rated this low between the two of us and also i feel like it's a warning sign for us that if it has less than 10 reviews maybe we should find a different movie because because this this movie is so far below even the standards of five stars under 50 that it's i don't think that past this one review watching a movie like this is really enriching you can watch this and in 30 seconds be like okay this is obviously a student film yeah, and I, I feel like this is the type of movie that could eventually push us to be uh, 10 stars under 100. Um, but one of the first warning signs that I think we, we ignored, I, I saw it and I was like, I'm going to wait to engage with it, uh, was the IMDb reviews. There 1.8 are... out of 10 on IMDb, by yeah. the way. And there's, and there's 125 reviews. But only 11 people actually wrote reviews. And let me let me just hit you with the titles of these reviews. And some of these are a whole paragraph worth of writing, which is astonishing to me. So the first review that shows up when you uh, pull this up on Amazon is, this actually got funding? One Ooh. star. No, it didn't. It, it clearly did not get any no, it, funding. It, 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 clearly the, the guy who directed it funded the whole thing. Because this was like someone he knew in college was in it. Um, second review. Ugh. One out of <laughs> one star. Surprised I got all the way through it. Three stars. Wow. The best one. Um, we'll come back and read that one because it's, it's interesting. Next one. I'd rather play Russian roulette. One star. Now this is the most this is the most uh, disturbing review, and I'm gonna take a pause here real quick to read this man's review because it's very short. Uh, the description of this movie uh, says two beautiful when two beautiful college girls move across the street from Derek and Chad, sinister things happen. This man's review is excuse me, two beautiful girls? I don't think so. Please don't wait your time waste your time on this total rubbish. Wow. Yikes. Next one. Couldn't make it through. Two stars. He didn't even finish the movie and he gave it two stars. <laughs> Charitable. Charitable. Charitable movie. Next one. You miss nothing. It's true. One star. Yikes. Basically my review. One star. One star again. Worst movie in the universe. Omnanom. One star. Bullshit. Don't waste. Wasting of time board. Don't watch this wasting of time bored don't watch this wasting of time bored don't watch this two out of three people found that review useful uh next one amada pada ithu tv serials are better than this not fit for a short film too last review is one star 
Are you freaking kidding me? Who is in their right mind to budget a horrendous script like this? My God, this is the worst garbage I've ever seen. And man, these people might not be as nice as we were. Um, but they're not wrong. My, I feel bad with this review. I genuinely, yeah, I do not want to shit all over these people. Yeah, I don't want to shit all over them because it's obvious. It looks like a college film. The guy who it was made, made by Arizona University. <laughs> it was filmed at Arizona State University. The guy who funded it is in like his thirties, so I don't know what his deal is. Oh, that the director and writer. Yeah, he's some sort of and money producer. mark. Yeah, he's been in like thirty movies where he just plays like side character heavies. Yeah, and like and, movies that look as as fucking strange as this one was. Yeah, he's in wrestling. It's called a money mark when someone with money starts a wrestling promotion because they spend through all their money super quickly and they end up falling out of business entirely. So wrestlers really like them because they get big paydays. It just doesn't last for long because they lose all their money. So yeah, this, this guy feels his... like a money mark. He played which character in the movie, Matt? He's not in the movie. He just oh, he's not was, in the movie. Okay. This was his writing and direct and feature length writing and feature length directing debut. But he's been an actor uh, in over thirty projects. Some of them so, that includes the ones that are currently in post production. So um, I I genuinely feel bad because I want five stars under fifty to be a celebration of like small yeah. achievements and I trying find... to trying to find hidden gems. Yep. In film that no one else has taken a look at. And, you know, honoring those people who may not make a perfect movie, but they give a really good try at it. And there's something redeeming. And, like, they're adding something to the overall cinematic universe. And, like, us giving them, you know, their flowers. There are no flowers to be given here. No, this 550 has a similar ethos to what we do with As Above, So Below. Which is to highlight those small, unique projects that only a certain group of people are ever, ever going to actually watch or see or haven't. And yeah, like you said, but we want to find things that we can talk positively about. Right. We, we want we want to bring you all like a, 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 a gem, a gem of joy in a world of darkness. And we're obviously and, and, and we got not, our chest shit on. Yeah. And we're obviously not going to get that every single time. We're not expecting no. that. Charnel House but, is mediocre, but but I mean, for a film like this, it's honestly we'd be doing a disservice to every single other movie we watch if mm-hmm. we gave this thing any semblance of a compliment because it's truly probably the biggest waste of seventy-one minutes I've ever spent yeah. watching the TV, and I watch. HGTV every week. Hey, HGTV is awesome. You watch. You used to watch six hours of wrestling a week. I know, and now I'm watching HGTV instead. You 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 have improved. Now, before before we dive too much deeper, uh, we're gonna spoil this whole movie because I'm gonna tell you everything that happens in it because it welcome. doesn't make sense. Don't watch it, but it's a I, wild I, ride. I, I mean, I mean, I can tell you everything here in a, in a few steps. There's a, there's two bums, uh, two college okay, well, bums. But, but you're not, you're not giving them enough credit. This man is sitting in his driveway, drinking beer, smoking and 
hitting a vape cart, which is what it looks like. A vape While cart he, that never runs out. Never runs out through the whole movie, and he obsessively hits it because the director and writer were like, "Yeah, this is what stoners do." It's a, the, it's the, his, uh, there there's it's a junior director thing, and I know this because I did this yeah. when I the, was the, directing stuff where there's the idea of giving a character a piece of business to work with, right? Where it's like, oh, well, you can fiddle with the napkin because you're nervous, you know, and that's what that's what you like to do. So the actor will fiddle with the napkin when they're giving their lines. It's a very junior director thing when you want to feel like you're contributing something. It feels like half the time the, the actor is being screamed at off screen, hit the vape, hit it now. Yeah, he hits his vape religiously. So that's like his quote unquote gimmick. Our story revolves around really one of two college age men who live in what looks like a full house, although. Yeah, def- no, it, oh, it's a full They definitely it, live in a like a full, full house, single family home. But. It's also apparently right by the ASU campus. That's never really fully explained. Well, like 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 Notre Dame, like some of those insulated college towns have like student housing where like kids have houses. So we we just went to a college in Chicago. Oh, yeah. and, and by the way, the the two male leads are named Chad and Derek. Yeah. So Chad and Derek, one of them, I don't know the difference between the two of them. Chad's the main character. Okay, Chad is a stoner bro who does nothing but sit in his lounge chair all day. And Derek had to drop out of with. college. Chad dropped out of college because he was depressed because his girlfriend broke up with him. And Derek goes to school and works at the chicken shop. That's right. And he brought he brought him the, the chicken in the beginning of the movie after he hit his trash cans with his like Subaru and the bumper nearly fell off. And then, for some reason, the door in the car wouldn't open, so he climbed out the window like we were in Fast and the Furious, and then and then threw a bag of what looked like Portillo's onion rings that you got six hours ago, and, and then the guy eats and he goes, mm, these giblets are good. I love the gravy." And then Derek goes, "There isn't any gravy." And uh, oh, by the way, if you do torture yourself with this movie, it does make it substantially worse knowing that it's intended to be funny. Because yes. there is not, there's not even like a, oh my God, this is ridiculous and I'm laughing. There is never a moment in this movie where I even chuckled. Ben, it, like, ben and like I the, were joking with each other and we couldn't make e- ourselves chuckle. No, no, we couldn't. I mean, this is one of those movies where <sighs> if you did, <sighs> hey, it's close enough for government work. Like that would have been the best joke of the whole movie. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna skim through this real quick because this yeah. movie is really not worth our time here. No, we're hanging we out outside. And all of a sudden they notice across the street, which is not at the end of the street, mind you. So nope, the title the of the movie of the is block. a lie. In Neither the middle of, of the block, houses. there are two not ugly, perfectly attractive college age women who are entering and moving into the house across from them. Yeah. And so, and so they go, whoa, those are some hot babes. I'd like to score with them. Okay, well, De- Derek just stares at them like a weirdo, and and then and then Chad's like, "We could fuck those bitches, yo." Like he doesn't say it like that, but that's the message that comes across. But lo and behold, some dude bros, which is one really jack dude, and one short guy who is yeah. not visually impressive, so they shy him away from the camera. 
Mm-hmm. They go help the girls instead. And Chad's like, oh, of course, man. And we Derek's wouldn't have like, a shot with those babes. I bet they're whores. Yeah, and, and Derek's like, man, we should give it a shot. We should talk to them. And Chad's like, no, let's play video games and smoke weed instead. If you're boring Ugh. your eyes out, uh, so did we. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to drive a railroads. I, I I can I can watch any movie. I've seen some absolute stinkers, and I can give them my intention and get through to the end unless I'm sleepy. And I I never had a harder time watching a fucking movie. I was. I've watched three and a half hour epics that really have no purpose being made. And those are more engaging than the 72 minutes of torture this film it's, was. It's hard to describe this movie even just mm-hmm. because everything means so little. And you either happens. describe nothing or you describe the whole movie. Yes. So long story short, the girls across the street are killers. They trap and lure college age men into their house and then they kill them and cut up their body parts. And then sell their organs. That's, that's how they're making money. Organs, yeah, that's how they make they, money. They escaped from a mental institution, which is never explained. And anytime it's mentioned, it's it's the worst overacting in the history of acting. Yeah, so they kill the dude bros, they kidnap the chicken guy, Derek, and then Chad is left on his own to deal with his anxiety. So he has to return his books, which this is the best scene of the movie. It's the only good actor in the film. No, I didn't say that. I just did. He goes to return his books from school, which he dropped out of several months prior. He goes to return them to the bookstore. And the bookstore clerk, who is this Latino gay punk guy with ernesto a choker ortiz. on ernesto ortiz is the actor he's just called the bookstore clerk in this movie he uh tells him that he can only give him a few dollars for his books because they're way past due and, and he can't return them yeah he can't return them he can sell them for a fraction of what he paid for and our main man chad is very sad about that Mm-hmm. And he takes what little money he can and he leaves. Now, that sounds like a very basic scene, and it was. But the acting, cinematography is all so bad and off-putting that it really mm-hmm. did create the feeling of discomfort if you just happened to be listening in on this conversation mm-hmm. and you were in line to yeah, if I, if return I was in, or sell books. If, it, if I was in that bookstore, I would be like loudly making noises. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I, would, I couldn't contain myself. I would have had the same feeling the movie engendered in me. It engendered that feeling in all the wrong ways, mm-hmm. but I at least felt what the movie wanted me to feel. So that one scene is the biggest success in this film, and it's in spite of itself. Yep. And everything that surrounds it leading up to it and afterwards is garbage. And, it, and that scene, that scene made the rest of the movie worse. Because it gave you a glimmer of hope just to drown you once again into the void that was the rest of the cinematic experience. Yeah, so Derek's gone. Chad ends up talking to the quote-unquote nicer of the two girls who has this strange scene with her sister where she's talking about feeling bad about killing these people. 
So I guess we're supposed to feel sympathetic to the psychopathic killer's accomplice instead of just a psychopathic killer. But they're they're both killers because she's the one who's supposed to be the crazy one. Like, like, like everything Ben just described is accurate, but the lady is, she's also set up as the one who's the one who was in institution. The other girl is just like her sister or some bullshit. Like she's the stable adult and the sister who's the nice one is the psychopath, but they kill people and sell their organs so they can stay alive and keep changing identities. This is the most anyone has ever talked about the story for this movie, including the people who made this movie, Matt. There's no cops in the movie either, which is one of my favorite things. It never comes up. No, there are absolutely none. So... The nicer of the two psychopaths ends up kidnapping Chad and then Chad's knocked out. He comes back awake and he tries to fight them off, but he ends up being overwhelmed and dragged back into the house. So the girls can continue to lure men into their house and sell their organs like the siren of Arizona State University. Yep. Yep. That, I, that that line, the sirens of Arizona State University, is resoundingly better than that movie. If you made a movie called The, the Sirens of, of Arizona State University, it wouldn't even matter if the movie was made as poorly. It would be better. Did I tell the, you, Matt, about the money mark? I almost sort of made a film with in DePaul. Uh I, I you might have told me, but you haven't told our amazing uh, uh what do we call them? Charmers. So it's the charmers. So yeah, I'm I'm you not gonna told our amazing charmers. I'm not gonna use his name because I think he's still on my Facebook and he's like he he like remembers me. Oh. So uh just in case plausible deniability. Yeah. In my freshman year I had no idea what I was doing in film. Unfortunately, I never figured it out. But because we never made a movie together, that was the biggest mistake of our of our college careers. I talked to this guy, and he said, "Hey, he posted online. Hey, I want to create a short film. I'm looking for people to produce. Great. I'm a freshman who doesn't understand how to produce. I'm perfect for the job. So I just shot yeah. him a quick email." I met him in person. Dude's like in his 30s. Reminds me a lot of the guy who made this movie. He has this idea for a film which did not make any sense to me. It's one of those. It's a guy who. It's about a lucid dreaming. Oh, God. It was a short film about lucid dreaming because the guy is trying to imagine a relationship with this dream woman. I really can't remember. It's been several years, but it's something along those lines where a guy learning to lucid dream so he could fantasize about certain things. I meet with the guy at the end of our first meeting. He gives me like $200 cash, which was awesome because I'm a freshman. And then money you're making more money than anyone in this movie did. And then what proceeds is the next year and a half of complete bat shit this dude's crazy he brought another producer onto the project a woman who was also very difficult to deal with oh great 
he did not know what he was doing. He just made random dates for things. I could not catch up with him. We would go six months and not say a word. And then he'd come back and be like, hey, we're filming next week. Where are you, bitch? Well, hey, what's going on? And he was always very nice and very cordial to me. So I, I can't say anything bad about him as a person. Well. But he and the female producer, they got into it about like spending money on props or whatever, which I was smart enough to not spend a dime on any of yeah, this. The, the fact that you didn't end up spending money is a true victory. <laughs> and the whole thing just sort of, devolved into this 18 month long process where i wouldn't hear from him he'd ask me to do something i try to do it then he'd sort of try to do it himself because he wanted it done his own way but he didn't know how to do it which just led to this strange film shoot where no one knew what was going on he ended up just filming everything himself it was the most disorganized bizarre project but hey he fucking finished it yeah, hey, that's what matters. It's it, it was so, done. It doesn't make any sense, and it wasn't particularly good. But I'll be honest, it was probably better than this movie, and it was a lot fucking shorter. So good <laughs> yeah, on you. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. So I I technically produced that. Hell yeah, you you produced a film better than this one. What what do we give this movie? Is zero, out is of zero five stars? stars an option? Because the answer like, is zero stars. I feel like we half have a star. to. Okay, I feel like you can do half a star. Zero stars yeah. is unrated. Okay, yeah, this is half a star. It, yeah. it gets the bare minimum of my enjoyment. Yeah, this really has to be half a star. This is this is. This it would is be a disservice for... to every yeah. other movie that's ever been made to give this anything other than one star. So we now have our baseline. This is it. This is the worst of the worst type of movie you can watch. A worse movie would be better than this. Yeah, we've watched movies that are worse than this before. Like, don't get us wrong. That we're, this isn't like the... This movie is just I honestly void. don't know if I've watched a movie worse than this. I don't think I've watched a movie actually worse than this. Yeah, because like, I, I... There's I, I movies mean, that have more enjoyment value. I, I'm saying, movie. like, a movie worse than this would be a movie that's exactly the same, except the sound goes out... And the boom cameras in the shot, at least oh. something like that, where it's I, I can I can see all the goofs and gaffs and make fun of it. At least there'd be something to look for. You know, you know, the only other movie I would give like a one star or below that I can think of the top of my head is probably Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. No, because the first half hour of Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is fine. Yeah, then it murders you. Yeah, but the first half hour is still fine. Like John Carpenter's Vampires. It's not a good movie, but the first half hour is good. I mean, Richard it's Evans far from being as shit. good as In the Mouth of Madness. You're damn right. You're fuck you, Red Letter Media. In the Mouth of Madness is a top five John Carpenter it film. It really top, is a top, top five. Like if, top if eight you, at a minimum. How dare you, you? don't think that In the Mouth of Madness is in the top half of John Carpenter's films then you legitimately just don't understand the movie. Yeah, I, I genuinely think a lot of people's, like, dis, like the reason that movie doesn't have the same kind of reference as it deserves is because, I don't, I don't want to say it's above people, but I think the point of it just goes over your, goes over a lot of people's head. I don't and think you, people... Sure that's, 
That's partially people the are. Fault. I don't think the film is above people. I think people just don't take the time to really let it sink in. Like even Rich Evans, yeah. when he was talking about it, um, on his ranking of John Carpenter's movies, he sort of explains the point of the movie, but he really doesn't grab like the overarching significance of the point of the movie. It requires the movie in a sense requires you to commit and be and be in the mindset of the world. And, you know, we got and we got yeah. into it in our in our breakdown of the of the apocalypse yeah, trilogy. Yeah, we talked about John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy on our old Festival Findings podcast, mm-hmm. which is in our current podcast feed under our first times the charm uh, bonus episode. So look and, back and we'll, in there; it's a good one. Yeah, and, and eventually we'll do the modern version of it where we break down Stuart Gordon films. Next One up, day. let's close with something nice, simple, refreshing in comparison. We are talking about... El Masquerado Masquerade, or in English, WrestleManiac. Let the face-off begin. Lucha Libre is a combat sport. Masked men with immeasurable strength. But one of them has been forgotten. We got ourselves the daddy-o of all locations. Until now. It's La Sangre de Dios. It's where they put El Mascarado after he went crazy. The best Mexican wrestler of all time. I don't think we're alone. Jumbo. Go, go, go. Starring Rey Mysterio. But not the Rey Mysterio you know, like the old Rey Mysterio. His, I think it's his uncle? I think it's his uncle, yeah. Yeah, it's his uncle. This is... I, I want to preface this by... We're, we're going to talk somewhat nicely about this film. Um, it's incredibly problematic and, and, and legitimately kind of grossly made. Um, but if you just kind of breeze over that fact and kind of go go along with everything else that's going on, it's a little bit. It's it's a more enjoyable experience it's, than the last. This film. movie, my parents raised me on sci-fi original movies. This is mm-hmm. essentially a sci-fi original movie. It's problematic in terms of how it treats women, of course, because it's a movie from the mid two thousands with not enough yeah. oversight. But in terms of putting yourself in the shoes of someone who understands that. 
it's a perfectly average movie about a serial killer rampaging luchador who's gone crazy and he started murdering his opponents so they took him off to sangre del dio and he slowly murdered all the citizens in the town and he was left there waiting for someone new to challenge him Ben, I think I think you almost do this the, the the deep lore of this film a little disservice with a description because he's the uh, assembly of five of the greatest luchadors in Mexico and the government made him so that he could compete in the Olympics for them as a wrestler but then he just started murking people in the ring while wrestling them and his whole existence is firmly embroiled with the rules of actual wrestling because he's been lobotomized so many times that his even his signature kill is to rip your face off. Because in Luchador, in Lucha, as the movie says, this is not really true. In Lucha, the the every time you defeat an opponent, an opponent in a big way, you get to take their mask. And but if your mask is removed, which is his only weakness, then you must be banished and never return again. Which is also not true. As we know with the heavenly handsome Dr. Wagner Jr. Mm. And Rey Mysterio's, the actual Rey Mysterio's been unmasked before. Um, I also want to point out that similar to our last movie, this is a directorial, writing, and producing debut. And there was a solid four-year gap from the guy who wrote directed and produced this movie before he did a single thing again this was in 2006 his next credit for anything is 2010 i'm really happy i at least saw this movie because this is the film that oh he also he also edited it because this is the film that clogged shelves when i was a kid Mm -hmm. at like walmart's yeah i swear i saw this too all these local dvd shops that's just you know the dvds that you could not pay people to get rid of this was one of those so i've seen this one for a long time and i'm glad to finally watch it it's overall a very basic movie uh it's a ragtag porn film crew yeah they're making a budget porn film and yeah you have you have a skeevy porn director a fat lucha nerd Mm -hmm. a stoner who owns the van they're driving in the stoner's sister and a another attractive woman who knows how to fix broken down vans and the six of them are traveling through mexico scoping for a place to shoot their new porno and uh this guy at a uh at a middle of nowhere stop tells them as they're running out of gas that the nearest gas station is past the town of sangre del dio but he tells them not to stop by because the 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 ray mysterio is going to kill them oh and 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 don't, don't forget to mention ben that the at this point the uh actor telling them this has pulled out a lucha mask to make a joke and the other main character, uh, Jeremy Rabin, uh, played by Jeremy Rabin, the character named Steve, uh, has an El Tigre mask in his back pocket for this exact moment because he's a huge wrestling nerd. Naturally. And as we know, 
wrestling nerds take their luchador mask with them everywhere they go. I mean, they're not wrong. I have my mm. parka mask now, in the other room. Now, Ben, you mentioned one of the actresses, and I I discovered something that I was shocked I wasn't told about while we were watching the movie. Okay. Um, one of the actresses is Layla Milani. Okay. Do you know who that is? Is she a wrestler? She is. She was on over 180 episodes of Deal or No Deal as a model. Okay. Um, but before that, she was on WWE Raw in the Diva Contest, where she oh. was in she was in 10 episodes, and she I think she made it to the end. I, she she oh. came in second place. Oh, this Layla. This is the one that I think Christy Hemme called a gutter slut on national TV. I'd believe it. She was also the She the, called the her host. a gutter slut, and then she did the splits, and everyone popped. 2005 was a weird time. She, she was also the host of a show um, that had Jimmy Hart in it called Wrestleholic Takedown. It's still ongoing, according to IMDb. Something tells me it's not. She was also in the Half Hour News Hour as herself. Um, and everything else, well, is like Boys and Girls Guide to Getting Down. Shut Aww. Up and Shoot. Sleeper Cell. 50 Cent featuring Oliveira Candy Shop. She was in the Candy Shop video. Well, uh, that's Yeah, that's, that's the highlight of this movie. This movie was perfectly fine. I feel yeah, like was... if we, I feel like if we watched this before we watched the other movie, and I feel like if we talked about this movie after we talked about the, uh, before we talked about the other movie, we would have more good things to say about yep. it. It's a very muted film, but it at least has a visual style. It's all pretty cohesive. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't get out of its lane really there's a really weird sex scene where there oh. it's an orgy where they're piled on top of each other in a stack that's strange oh and i almost forgot bar that i they almost didn't... forgot Ooh. there is a third woman who's passed out for the first oh, yeah. third of the movie and then she immediately dies after she wakes up so yeah i think that i think that 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 is played by katherine wareford Best and we thank you for your service. The 2006 movie The Butcher and Lords of the Underworld and Dead Boys Don't Scream. Wow, 2006 was a big year for God that damn, and WrestleManiac. We're gonna we, we're gonna watch Dead Boys Don't Scream. Someone is killing Americans' top male models. So isn't that the plot for Zoolander two? It's the plot for Zoolander one. Well, yeah, but Zoolander two it goes international. Zoolander 2 is a movie that's so terrible and made the movie that preceded it worse. See, that's why I haven't watched it. Don't. Don't. Smart man. If, you're, if you had to choose between watching The Last House on the Street and Zoolander 2, I'd tell you to watch The Last House on the Street because it's shorter. Wow. Okay. Damn. Fuck that movie. <laughs> I watched it on an airplane and was like visibly upset for the rest of the flight. So, WrestleManiac, the movie ends when... How does the movie end? So, so the movie ends. So, so the the fat wrestler guy finds a room with a bunch of information about the WrestleManiac, and there's like a whole uh, lucha ring set up in there. And he's like, "I'm gonna wrestle the guy." Um, the wrestler comes in and throws him against the wall and beats him up. Their guy runs away. 
Yeah, the girl runs away. She gets her skirt ripped off so you can stare at her ass. Then she runs back and she finds him defaced and he's like, The mask. It's a mask. Uh, and then she hits him with a baseball bat and then she drives a spike through his chest. And, and then the music gets really tense as he reaches toward his face to take his mask off. And he wakes up and she runs away. And then I think he he must based on how the scene goes javelin the same spear that she That's stabbed right. him with through her chest and she dies and then he drives away in her car looking completely uninjured and then the movie ends That's right yeah he did get away Yeah he he recovers and gets away and she never even like we never even get a moment where he like she kind of gets his mask off or like starts to remove no, it. No, she doesn't even get close. No, she she stabs him through the chest with a pipe and then is like, "Oh, he's dead." And then he is not, so she just runs and then dies. And then the fucking movie ends. What what a movie. What a duo of movies on I'm tonight's... the one who fell asleep watching this Thanks, movie man. and I remember more of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was perfectly average. I'd give this two out of five stars yeah if you're if you're a fan of the the subgenre that is b wrestling crossover horror movies yeah um give this one a shot it's an important one i think in the 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 trilogy the the franchise that is this genre it's yeah. almost impossible to pull up on uh imdb unless you type in el mascarado masquerade massacre um because if you type in wrestlemaniac it just gives you all of the wrestlemanias <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I I do want to give a shout out to the sleazy porn director. I, oh, yeah. I thought he I thought he really Adam, hammed up his acting, but I Adam felt like Huss. it. Yeah, I thought it contributed a lot to the movie. Yeah, I mean, um, if there wasn't the overacting that's in this movie, it would not be nearly as redeemable and fun to watch. No, it wouldn't. This is a very paint by the numbers movie, but I feel like at least the porn director gave it a lot more energy. And, yeah, he uh, went for it. Yeah, he brought this movie up a half star on his own. So kudos to him for yeah. for making this movie a lot more memorable than it could have been. Rey Mysterio is not a very intimidating man, either Junior or the original. Uh, so they barely shoot him because when you see a full body shot of him, he's he's like five five with really skinny, spindly arms. I, I thought he he was kind. He was a little jacked. A little, like, like he was my... bigger than everyone else in the movie. I honestly, I bet the the lucha nerd was bigger than him. I mean, size wise, definitely. Yeah. And and that's and that's our those that was our dive into the this experience. We we tried. We we tried for you. It might not have been the most exciting way to close out this episode but i am happy that we were able to really distill our emotional journey through these two films into this podcast because i feel like it matched it very well yeah the the disillusionment the the sense of the sense of loss of time i i i feel like this this podcast is genuinely better than both of these movies i will say I think we learned two lessons here. One, don't go to the sub five star reviews unless <laughs> it's something that looks super batshit. That's or like one. it just came out. Number two, absolutely do not watch more than one of these yeah. in a sitting. <laughs> don't hurt yourself. Don't do this to yourself.
kids, don't try this at home. But if you do, make sure you at least get to the point where you can do it on the fourth times the charm. Ooh. That didn't quite work, but I'm going to just go with it. Good night, everybody. Ooh, ben, you, know that, you, you did your best. And you know what I'm going to say to you today? Good morning. <laughs>